Hello, 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 Miami Dolphin fans, and welcome to the same old Dolphin Show, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. So the Miami Dolphins had a chance. They had their opportunity to sweep the Jets. But the officials decided to take matters into their own hands. They call a pass interference on Nick Needham. So instead of it being fourth and 17 for the Jets, needing to get a first down to have an opportunity to try to kick a field goal, instead it was first down for the Jets. And they were able to just get a run a couple more plays and kick a game-winning field goal to defeat your Miami Dolphins 22-21. to I should say, they didn't defeat the Miami Dolphins 22-21. They defeated Jason Sanders 22-21. Jason Sanders kicking a franchise record seven field goals for your Miami Dolphins. Having a monster fantasy day. So hopefully, wherever you are listening to this, you started Jason Sanders in your fantasy league. Would have put up some monster numbers for you, but the Dolphins fall short 22-21 in the MetLife screw job. Yeah, well, he blew the he blew the chip shot, though. That's true, but that was listen, remember what we said. He's Sanders in on the tank. He's in on the tank. He's exactly. in on the tank. That chip shot made the difference. In on the tank. I, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot to to talk about in this game. Uh the good, the bad and the ugly. So we'll we'll start with the good. I think you like any conversation about this game has to start with Jason Sanders. The man was fantastic today. 7 of 8 kicking field goals of various lengths and ultimately appeared to have kicked the game winner with about a minute to go. But uh, as it turns out, the Dolphins made a couple of over-aggressive plays on the final drive, which sort of allowed the Jets to get downfield and into position to kick the winning field goal. Even on the penalty on Nick Needham, whether you really believe it was a pass interference or not, the fact of the matter is if he makes, he made a very aggressive play on the ball instead of taking a step back, realizing the situation, making the tackle and forcing the Jets into a fourth down with, you know, with a running clock. He, he makes the aggressive play, gets called for pass interference, and that allows the Jets to stay into the, in the game. But Jason Sanders, uh, an excellent performance from Jason Sanders today. And I think you also have to give it up for Ryan Fitzpatrick today. He was 21 of 37 for 245 yards and a touchdown. But the bigger statistic was he carried the ball eight times for 65 yards. He was the Dolphins' leading rusher in this game. Ryan Fitzpatrick just showed he the Jets clearly had no intention of leaving anybody to keep an eye on him. They they. Had showed him no respect as far as a threat to run the ball. And as a result, Fitzpatrick saw open space in front of him and he took advantage of it. It's a, a smart play, smart move by a veteran quarterback to take advantage of that situation. And that gave him 65 yards uh, on the ground for the day. And you know what that does, Brain? That gives Ryan Fitzpatrick a grand total of 186 rushing yards for the season, which makes him the Dolphins' number two rusher in 2019. Do you know who the number one uh, running back is or has the running the rushing lead for your Miami Dolphins this season? 
Oh boy. Um, is it Kenyon Drake? It is not Kenyon Drake. Is it Mark Walton? It is Mark Walton. But Mark Walton ran for 201 yards this season. Ryan Fitzpatrick has 186 yards and is, I would say, likely to overtake Mark Walton as the Miami Dolphins' leading rusher as early as next week, which really tells you about the sad state of the Miami Dolphins' rushing attack this season. I thought Patrick Laird had a pretty good game as well. He ran the ball 15 times for 48 yards. He made it all the way up to 3.2 yards per carry, which is significantly better than Kenyon Drake. He was a third better than, or I guess 50% better than Kenyon Drake. Uh, And Laird also added four receptions for 38 yards. So pretty decent game for Patrick Laird. I thought Isaiah Ford had a good game today. He had six receptions for 92 yards. Alan Hearns again looked good. Uh, I thought Mac Hollins looked good in this game as well, even though he didn't actually make end up making a reception. He had a couple of plays where he was burning some of those guys in the Jets secondary. So a, a pretty good debut, I thought, for Hollins as well. But, uh, you know, so I think when you're talking about the positives in regards to the Dolphins offense, I think that's more or less where it ends. This They were, we'll get into the injury situation in a little bit, but I, I thought the Dolphins' offense uh, at least had positives that I just mentioned. Brain, uh, did you have thoughts on Sanders, the offense, or another positive that you saw in this game? Well, obviously Sanders making the kicks and obviously Fitzpatrick for, I mean, basically being the entire offense, uh, especially doing his best Lamar Jackson impression with 65 yards rushing, but really just, you know, pioneering drive after drive when the Dolphins needed it, you know, weren't able to to seal the deal and get into the end zone on any of those drives, but still a uh, great job by him. And obviously Isaiah Ford leading the team in receptions and really stepping into that role after Devontae Parker gets hurt because that that's not in the game plan for Isaiah Ford to become the the go-to receiver at, you know, going into this game. That's that's all Devontae Parker. And all of a sudden, Isaiah Ford thrust into that role, did a nice job. I also thought, hey, look, An- Andrew Van Ginkle making what was almost the play of the game in this one with his sack on Sam Darnold, which put the Jets, took the Jets out of field goal range and made it third and 17, of course, then we had the penalty, and that ultimately set up uh, the Jets' game-winning field goal. But nice to see Andrew Van Ginkle getting out there. And and look, Nick Needham, while that's a rough pill to swallow, and that's going to be all anybody talks about all week, the truth is this guy competes week in and week out, and he flashes off the screen every single week. Uh, and I thought until that play was having, you know, another standout game. So, look, in spite of the play that ultimately is going to make him the GOAT of the game, uh, I thought it was a pretty good game for Nick Needham as well. Yeah, again, Needham is really uh, earning himself a spot on this team for for a while to come. So I think that's a really positive sign. Um, Moving to the sort of, 
I guess the negatives, you can call it the bad, you can call it the ugly, but the injury situation on this team continues to uh, be just dire. Today, early in, early in the game, Devontae Parker and Albert Wilson go out with uh, concussion protocol, uh, whether they were diagnosed with concussion, whatever it was, they went out of the game and did not return, and that left the Dolphins pretty shorthanded. Now, I, as I mentioned, Isaiah Ford stepped up admirably. Uh, I, I thought that Mac Hollins did a good job as well, um, even though it didn't result in anything. So the injury situation really... I think caught up with the Dolphins and the fact that they were just unable to execute as this was a team that I think had uh, the stat was something like had gone eight consecutive red zone drives with a touchdown and this team could not close a drive out to save to save themselves in this game and as a result they ended up with eight field goal attempts which is not you know listen if Tony Sperano was still the coach of the team maybe that's something you're excited about but in 2019, when you're trying to win football games, if well, if you're trying to win football games, you want to see your team, you really want to see your team take advantage of all those red zone opportunities and score some touchdowns. And they were unable to do that. And ultimately, that was what left the Jets in the game and allowed the Jets to win it. Um, the Dolphins defense had a lot of that bend but don't break kind of feel today they they the Jets sort of moved the ball but the Dolphins managed to stand up quite a bit and hold the Jets to some field goals of their own. Uh, but ultimately, I think this was a team that whether it was, you know, Fitzpatrick misfiring deep in the red zone or the Dolphins just not having the depth to be able to close off those drives. I think that was probably the biggest negative in this game from a Miami Dolphins standpoint. A hundred percent not being able to cash in. Look, it, it's great that Jason Stan- that Jason Sanders made seven of eight field goals. It's great that. We got into field goal range eight times. That speaks to the offense being able to move the ball, but it also speaks to an inability to put the ball in the end zone. And that's actually been a strength of the Dolphins, uh, over the past, you know, month or two of the season. They've been, I, I, I think, I think you tweeted out the stat, uh, last week after their game that the Dolphins have actually been, uh, the best team in the league over the past month or so uh, at, when it comes to touchdown percentage in the red zone, which is really impressive and speaks a lot uh, to the job that Ryan Fitzpatrick is doing and the job that, that O'Shea is doing as the offensive coordinator. But it just wasn't there today. They just weren't able, whatever the reason, what, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick being a little bit off, Devontae Parker being out of the game, what whatever the reason, they just weren't able to get the ball into the end zone once they got down close in this game. And ultimately, that's what lost them the game. Uh, but again, not the worst thing in the world. Right. As Joe Shad tweeted out, this was in some ways the ideal result for the Miami Dolphins because they showed that even shorthanded, they can scrap and they could fight and they could put themselves in a position to win the game, but ultimately they fell just short. So with Washington and Cincinnati both losing today as well, the Dolphins remain in the fourth spot in the draft, but had they won this game, they probably, they may have in fact fallen out of the top 10. Uh, so it's a it ends up being a pretty big loss for the Dolphins as, as much as 
you want to say that as far as draft position is concerned. But, you know, this is a team that that does, in fact, matter for. So whether you're in favor of the tank or not, the loss is ultimately helpful in that regard for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Brain, other standouts from this game, other things that stood out to you as you watched it that you thought were noteworthy? I think that's about it. Uh, For me... This was, again, like, like Joe Shad said, the ideal scenario. You want the team to show that they can win games, be competitive, play well, and yet somehow lose the game. And in this game, not only did they, you know, kind of find a way to lose, but before they found a way to lose, they also showed the moxie to drive down with the game on the line to kind of show what they need to do to win. And they did everything right except for the pass interference. And you had a pass interference that gets, uh, you know, called on an instant replay. So if this exact game had been played a year ago, the Dolphins win this game and we only lose because they've implemented replay uh, for pass interference calls. So... Yeah, I just thought it was an ideal result and I think uh look, we I said it in the in the show in the preview show that you know, I thought the Dolphins you're going to have we're, we're going to have a good opportunity to win this game and they showed that and but at the end of the day we wanted them to lose because we still want that uh draft pick. Now we didn't talk about it because you weren't on the show with me because you had lost your voice. So I want to get into this with you. I don't know if you want to get into it more in, you know, you know, when we do the the preview show for next week's game, but since we're talking about it, I want to know where you stand as far as the tank and what you want to do. You know, do you want to see the dolphins win any of these games or do you want to see them lose? And you know, if they don't get the number one pick, does it, does it even matter? Like, like where are you on the tank now that the dolphins have three wins? Well, I mean, where I am is that I know that in the grand scheme of things, I I know that probably losses have the potential to be the most valuable thing for this team at this point in time. Uh, losing increases their draft stock and their ability to potentially get the get a higher pick in the draft. At the same time, winning is, especially stylistically and how they win, has its own statement to make. And I mean, but then again, I think I've already got faith in this coaching staff. Now, if the Dolphins go out there and completely lay eggs in these games, that's concerning. But I think if they play competitively but fall just short, that's that's okay. I think ultimately that's the kind of thing that I would be looking for, is the the Dolphins to fight hard and maybe ultimately just come up a little bit short and increase the draft stock. But then again, if they did win these games, particularly if they won hard-fought games and or if they were able to completely dominate teams like Cincinnati and the Giants here over the past few in the final few weeks of the season, I think that could be a statement of its own because remember just exactly this roster that the Dolphins are working with. I mean, I think winning games with a roster like that and winning them convincingly has to also fill you with confidence knowing what is still to come in the, uh, 
you know, in in the years to come in this Flores, Chad O'Shea, Chris Greer era. Yeah, I agree. And and even and, and like I said on on the pod the other day uh, for the preview show for this game is that even if it doesn't mean that we're getting our quarterback with the with our top pick in this draft, because let's say, you know, Tua, you know, goes back for his senior year, decides, you know, that he, he, he can improve his draft stock by going back. Or let's say the doctors just say, look, he's not cleared. He has some complications with his rehab. And the Dolphins decide that, you know, let, let's say they end up with the fourth pick and they just decide, you know, Justin Herbert isn't worth that pick. Having the fourth pick and having Justin Herbert fall to you and having teams like the Chargers or the Lions or the Jaguars or or whoever it may be down the line picking behind you means that you're in a position and maybe it's not even a quarterback. Maybe it's Chase Young, you know, whoever it is. Maybe it's, a you know, a, that pass rusher that somebody wants to add. Uh, but whoever it is, the higher up that you are to that number one pick, the more value you have. And that might mean that you can trade down and maybe you can pick up a first rounder for the next year. And, and even though next year we're certainly not tanking, look, if we, if we can't get the number one pick this year, it's certainly not happening next year. Once we have another draft class and we go out and we add three agents, plus you add in the, the perceived progression that you're going to get from the youngsters on this team. You're certainly not going to be tanking next year, but if you got three first round picks next year, then maybe you're in position to trade up to, to get the quarterback that you want next season. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. But the, the more wins we have and the further down in, in draft position that we go, the less value we have and the less likely it is that we'd be able to get a third first rounder for the 2021 draft. So even if it doesn't mean getting the quarterback that you want this year, there is still value in having the best draft pick possible. Plus, let's face it. I mean, even if, even if they don't trade the pick, I mean, you still want to get the best possible player with that pick. Although I'll say that I don't think, you know, if you're not talking quarterback, I don't think there's a huge difference in picking, you know, third in the draft and picking seventh or eighth in the draft. So I think where the value lies there is, is in a potential trade partner and being able to trade down. Yeah, and listen, there's still three more weeks and there's all kinds of things to to happen still because the Dolphins have big games remaining against the Cincinnati Bengals and New York Giants. And what happens in those games will go a long way to deciding just what the draft order is for the Miami Dolphins uh, in 2020. So we'll we'll see how that looks. Uh, Brent, I want to come back to the, the that pass interference call because it was one thing that... Um, I just, how do you feel this replay thing is working out in this league as it pertains to pass interference? We don't generally talk about a whole lot of like league wide stuff on the show, but this one really came and depending on your perspective, bit the dolphins in the butt or actually helped them out tremendously. It ended up being a big bailout for, for the jets. But, uh, what, what is your thought? about this pass interference rule and, well, and the shoe was on the shoe was on the other foot last week 
against Philadelphia because we got the pass interference call. You know, we basically got it in our favor last week when Brian Flores challenged the one in the end zone. Uh, and we, and we got that one overturned. The bottom line is just as it was last week when they got the call right, they got the call right here. That was pass interference. Nick Needham, Nick Needham was draped on the guy, had his shoulder had his shoulder pad in his hand and forced his body to turn before the ball got there. That is pass interference. So I have no problem with it. At the end of the day, the instant replay exists, whether it's for pass interference, it's for incomplete, complete, inbounds, out of bounds, whatever, you know, touchdown, first down, spotting the ball, whatever. It exists to get the call right. And that's what it did. So I'm in favor it uh, in favor of it. What I think is is that earlier in the season coaches were challenging pass interference and the referees were very very hesitant to overrule it. And I think what happened is that the league office got involved and told these referees, "Look, in order for this to work, you have to put your pride aside and you have to accept that you might not have made the right call on the field. And if what shows up on the, on the replay is by the letter of the law, pass interference, then you've got to make the call. And the referees have gone to that. Now, what the, what's going to happen inevitably is the same thing that's happened with this. Is it a catch? Is it not a catch thing? And it's going to be... You know, there's going to be the, you know, interpretive definitions of what is incidental contact, what is, what contact is allowed, what contact is not allowed. And that's going to be this slippery slope just as it continues to be because we, we had it, we saw it in this play, in this game, uh, the touchdown that Demarius Thomas caught where Nick Needham was trying to rip the ball out of his hands and actually did, but it happened once he crossed the goal line and they ruled that it had already been a catch when he crossed the goal line. Therefore, once the ball was stripped out, it didn't matter because it had already been a touchdown. You're going to have those plays come up all the time, but that's just the nature of the game. It's an extremely fast game and there are going to be extremely close calls. And then when that happens, uh, I think you've got to, you know, err on the side of going with what the call was on the field, unless by the letter of the law, you've got indisputable visual evidence. And look, when it comes to the pass interference call, there's no doubt about it. It was the right call. So they got it right. I'm all for it. I don't know why anybody, I don't know why anybody would be against it, to be honest. Well, I think it's, I think you, the reason that people are against it is that they feel like it's, it's that weird thing where, their their whole thing is they want the call to be right on the field and they want the right call to be made unless it works against their team. In right. which case, okay. well, in which case like, they don't like it anymore. Yeah, well, I want every single you know, I want the Dolphins to win the Super Bowl every year, but I'm 35 years old and that hasn't happened in my lifetime. Fair enough. I I I agree with you. I think it's it's a weird thing. In in all of sports, my opinion is that the right call should be made. And whether it's assisted by a camera or a replay or an extra official, whatever it is, let's make sure that we're calling things the right way and let's get rid of margin for error because it's a competition. So there shouldn't be 
any degree of subjectivity involved. And obviously there's always going to be some, but just like poker is a game of skill where the skill is minimizing the amount of luck in the game, I think officiating should be about eliminating as much of the subject, excuse me, as much as the subjectivity as you possibly can. And I think if you can do that, then it's going to be a good situation. Uh, and I think that that is going to going to wrap us up. We couldn't quite get the sweep over the Jets, Brain. The MetLife screw job screwed us over. Well, if only Jason Sanders wasn't in on the tank. Fuck Jason Sanders. Listen, I'm not going to go that far. I know he's in on the tank, but the man made seven field goals. It's a franchise record. Seven yeah. field goals. A- eight attempts. Which is also a franchise record. I was going to say, you know, Stojanovic wouldn't, you know, would have made eight for eight. But, uh, you know, he did miss that one against the Chargers. Yeah, but also Stojanovic would have never been in a situation where he had to kick eight field goals. That too. That team would have scored touchdowns. Those teams, I should have said, would have scored touchdowns. Most of them anyway. Well, Fitz is in on the tank too. But but he's got to make it look good. He is... God, he is so much fun. I like there is something about this grizzly old man out there playing quarterback, running around, making a throwing, tossing a lateral after a run for first down. He's like almost throwing a shovel pass on a, <laughs> you know, on a on a second and long when you're already in field goal range, yeah. w- down by one with a chance to win the game just by you know kicking a field goal. It's it's fantastic. Is he, he, is Matt Hawk did did Fitzpatrick throw a touchdown after the Hawk touch touchdown last week? Is is Matt Hawk still currently the last yes, Dolphin to throw yeah, a touchdown no, pass? Fitzpatrick threw touch. Yeah, Fitzpatrick threw a touchdown. Okay. I could remember I the multiple uh, touchdowns. Well, Ryan Fitzpatrick, what a guy. What a man. This was this performance from Ryan Fitzpatrick was again one of those things where he's like that's what I'm looking forward to with him being a Dolphin is that it's going to be fun to watch him. I mean, the game was largely pretty ugly as it goes, you know, by general football standards. But man, Ryan Fitzpatrick is a lot of fun to watch. And I, I much more enjoy watching him than Josh Rosen. So, I mean, if we're going to lose, want- if listen, if we're going to lose anyway, I would much rather Fitzpatrick be in there. If we don't. If, if things don't fall the right way for us next year and the plan ends up being not to draft our quarterback of the future next year, do you want Ryan Fitzpatrick back as your starting quarterback? Oh, 100%. 100%. 100%. Yeah, I, I, te- I tend to disagree. I mean, I tend to agree, I should say. I, I don't think that there's a better guy... I mean, look, everybody's bought in. Everybody, he he's the unquestioned leader of the football team. So unless you've got that guy that's ready to come in and take the reins, I've got no problem be, with it being Ryan Fitzpatrick until you've got that guy. And I think if you put a team around him next season, you know, through the draft, through free agency, if you're able to to give him some sort of offensive line and this defense can improve and, and be, you know, a, a top half of the league unit, uh, even if you don't have your quarterback of the future next year, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is good enough to, to get this team to eight, nine wins and maybe sneak into the playoffs next year. I would agree with that. Conceivably, I think if the team, even if it, listen, this team, I think is unquestionably going to be 
stronger next year than it was this year. I think the offensive line is going to be better. I think the offensive, uh, the defensive front is going to be better. Uh, I think we're going to upgrade at some of those skill positions. If we don't upgrade at quarterback, we'll certainly have upgraded uh, at running back and possibly receiver as well. And I think if you've got to go with Fitzpatrick again next season, I think you're still in okay shape. Even if you do draft a Tua or God forbid, Justin Herbert or whoever it is that the Dolphins draft. I think even in that situation, there's benefit to having Ryan Fitzpatrick be your starting quarterback next season because he's a guy that I think uh, that rookie is going to learn from. And he's a guy who's clearly shown that he's got savvy and experience and the ability to play this football game. And, you know, on top of all of that, he's fun to watch. So. I got another question for you before we before we wrap up, and because we might have an answer to this by the time we we do our. I've also got a Twitter show. question for you as well, so let's get your question, and then I'll I'll okay. go to Twitter. Yeah, my question is: Look, we're three and ten. Ryan Fitzpatrick has proven himself to be the leader of the football team. The football team has proven that they can they can hang with some good teams, that they can they can win some games. We got three games left this season. Two of them are against the Jets and the Bengals. The next two games, I mean, not the Jets and the Bengals, the Giants and the Bengals. Is it worth it to, at this point, throw Josh Rosen in there and say, you've got three games to prove whether or not you can uh, be on this roster next year. And at the same time, if he doesn't, you're not really hurting yourself because you're, you're tanking. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I've got a whole lot of interest in seeing Josh Rosen in. Uh, the only reason that I would say that that is something that I would be interested in is in an effort to sort of preserve Ryan Fitzpatrick, but I don't know that that's something that this team needs to bend over to do. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick actually gives you a better chance to evaluate some of these other receivers on the team, especially now with Isaiah Ford looking like maybe he's going to get some extended playing time. And also uh, uh, Mac Hollins getting extended playing time. I think those guys having Fitzpatrick throw them the ball is going to allow you to evaluate them a bit better then you would be able to evaluate them if Josh Rosen was throwing them to the ball, throwing them the ball. So I find it, I don't know, I find it hard to think that uh, there would be much benefit in having Josh Rosen come in to play quarterback even in these last couple of games. Yeah, I find it hard to go to go there because I've kind of had this stance now for the past month with Fitzpatrick playing well that it's just so obvious that uh, the team rallies around him and that. He gives them the best chance to win, and he allows you to evaluate your your the, your other offensive pieces. That it's more to it than just you know the quarterback position, and there's more to it than just than just tanking because you don't want to lose the locker room. But with three games left, I mean, you see this, you see this every year. It, it doesn't necessarily happen, you know, eight, nine, ten games into the year, eleven games into the year, but. When you get to the last few games of the season and you're obviously out of playoff contention, uh, you see it all the time where teams will start playing the younger guys just to kind of see what they've got. And I wonder, you know, at what point do we do that? Because obviously we're not in contention. We're not going anywhere. Um, and, and at this point, 
especially if Devontae, look, he, it's a concussion, uh, so he'll be in the concussion protocol, and we hope that Devontae Parker will be able to get back next year, but the way the Dolphins have been treating every single player that's gone out of a game with an injury over the past month, you gotta feel like Devontae Parker, there's a very good chance he's gonna end up on the injured reserve, and at that point, I mean, are you really all that interested in trying to evaluate Isaiah Ford, who has been here all year, has been in the organization for two years now, I believe. I don't I don't think he's been here for three years. Um, you know what you've got at the offensive line. You know what you've got everywhere at this point. Maybe at the very least, let me make let me make another this is a chance to showcase Josh Rosen and maybe get a trade for him. Well, here, this uh, was almost the point that I was going to make. What if you put what if you trot Josh Rosen out there and he stinks up the joint again? I think I actually think (laughs) what are you losing? What are you losing aside from more games, which is ultimately a win? Well, what I'm saying is that I think you could potentially extract more value from a Josh Rosen trade without putting him back out there and putting more bad, more bad football on film than you would if you trotted him out there again for these past couple weeks and he played more disastrous football. I mean, it's, Uh, I don't know. I mean, you got, we traded a late, late second round pick and a fifth round pick for Josh Rosen. And he has now put his second year in a row of bad tape out there. And he got beat out by Ryan Fitzpatrick. At this point, I know that he's only making a million dollars a year or whatever. But I don't think anybody's giving you... What do you... At best, you getting a third round pick for him? And I know a third round pick has value. I get that. But if you... if. If you've got a third round pick and you've got games against the the Giants and the Bengals who are bad, you've got the potential of him going out there and playing well and maybe you get a second round pick for him. I mean, the truth is, if you don't play him and nobody trades for him, we might be in a position where next year we're cutting him anyway. So, I, I don't know. If for nothing else, see what you got and... And then if if he fails, you lose games, which ultimately is a win. I don't know. I, I'm 50-50 on it at this point. At this point, I don't even care <laughs> because I think that there's nothing that Brian Flores can do at this point to lose the locker room. No, I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't think there is something he could do at this point to lose the locker room. I just... I just think, it. gosh, watching the Dolphins has been very difficult this season. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, at least, has added a modicum of fun to the operation. So let's keep him in there for the final three weeks. And what will happen after that will happen. And the rest will be history. Speaking of things that happen, after these next three weeks, we have a couple of Twitter questions from at 54ever. Uh, the first question is, who is your one unpopular or surprise player to make the roster next season? And a follow-up, who do you see as a surprise cut? Surprise player to make the roster next season. He's talking about somebody that's already on the roster? I would assume that, yeah, he's probably talking about somebody who's already on the roster. Um, I would say... 
I would say at least one of the look Nick Needham's on the team at this point like there's no doubt about that I mean he was a surprise guy to make the roster this year but at this point next year there should be no shock he's definitely on the roster but I think there are probably you know with with Xavier Howard coming back and Bobby McCain coming back and us probably going to attack the secondary in free agency I would think that guys like uh, like Jamal Wiltz and Montre Hardage and uh, Ken Webster and Lewis, I, I would think that they are probably, you know, going to have a difficult time making this roster. And I think that at least a couple of those guys are still going to make it. Um, I'm going to say... I'm going to say Jamal Wiltz. I, I don't know if that's a huge surprise, but if you want me to go bigger surprise, I'm going to say Ken Webster makes the team next year, even though there, it might not be in, you know, as anything more than like as a dime package corner, but the staple of the Brian Flores defense, when you look at what he did in New England over the past several years is they need a lot of defensive backs and, I believe that he will be, uh, I, I believe that they're going to end up keeping a couple of these guys while they continue to search for the right pieces long term, uh, because they just, they have success with these, with these, uh, these undrafted guys and, and molding them into the players that they want. And the, the guys that are getting the playing time right now in the Dolphins secondary have bought into what they're selling and they're doing a solid job and they've proven already that they've got, they've got the, the work ethic and the, you know, the, the stick to that they're, that they're looking for out of players. And I think that this coaching staff really values that in some ways more than they value talent. They, they value, you've got to have the right mindset. Uh, to go out there and works hard every single day at improving at your craft. And the guys that are getting the playing time on this roster have already proven that they have that quality. So I think that gives them the inside track to make the roster next year. It won't be all of those guys in the secondary because they're going to get better from a talent perspective. And they've got some guys coming back. But I think at least a couple of those guys in the secondary uh, that you probably don't expect to see again. They're going to be back next year. I like that stick to I, I was looking for the right word. I'm not sure good. that was it, but you know, I was reaching. I like it. I, got I like a, it. You know, it was like an NBA player who, who kind of gets up in the air and, and then all of a sudden he, he doesn't want to finish, but then he tries to pass and nobody's open and he doesn't have any timeouts left. That, that's where I was at. And who is your surprising cut? Next season. I think I know what you're going to say, but who is it? You may have already alluded to it. What, Josh Rosen? Uh, yeah, I don't know is he going to be your surprise? Yeah. Would that be your surprising I, cut? At this point, I don't know that it's much of a surprise, but uh, I think he's certainly not beating Ryan Fitzpatrick out for the job for as the starting quarterback. So the question is, is he going to be the backup quarterback? And if we draft somebody... They're certainly going to make the roster, right? unless we're drafting somebody like super late, uh, you know, as a as a flyer. They're going to make the roster, and you know, we might end up taking a stab at a guy like Cam Newton. Um, and I, at that point, is it really worth it to hang on to Josh Rosen? I think the likelihood is that we're going to end up trading Josh Rosen, but 
if we don't trade him, I think there's a very high likelihood that, that he gets cut. If it's not Josh Rosen, I think Durham Smythe could be a, could be a prime cut candidate. Uh, I just think he's, he's regressed a little bit this year. And outside of them, I don't know that anybody would be really a surprise cut kid because there's not a lot of talent to say, oh man, that's a big surprise that they cut that player. Uh, because the, the players that have talent, I think they're going to make the team. Yeah. But it's not going to be, maybe, it's maybe Taco not, Charlton, but I not, is that, is that a surprise? I, I don't know that any, I don't think there are very many guys that, that you'd be surprised to, to find out that they were cut next year. Yeah. Certainly not going to be a surprising thing when the Dolphins move on from Kalen Balazs. I, I, that, I, in fact, that I would be more surprised if he actually ended up on the roster the next. Well, that year. would have been the yeah, that would have been the one that would like, be the surprise you know, player, surprise guy to team. be on the roster next year. It, Kalen Balaj would I'd be shocked. Yeah, I'd be bowled over. All right, I think that's going to wrap us up for this episode of the show. Brain, tell the people where they can find you. Can find me on Twitter at Aaron the Brain, and of course I am at Amplified to Rock. The show is at Same Old Dolphins. Every episode of the show is on DolphinsTalk.com. And don't forget about our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash Same Old Dolphins. And if you have not done so already, we invite you to head over to Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. Leave us a positive review. It helps other people find the show, and we appreciate it tremendously. So thank you to everybody who's been doing that, and thank you to everybody who's going to hear this and be inspired as we enter the holiday season to uh, leave us a, a five-star rating and a positive review. We've, we very much appreciate that. Don't forget the show is available in basically everywhere that you get your podcast, whether it's Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Luminary, anywhere at all, you can find the same old Dolphin Show. And if there is somewhere that you'd like to get your podcast where we're not, we will do what we can to try to get there for you. So uh, make sure that you are following us and shooting us messages uh, on Twitter at same old dolphins, or you can get me directly at amplified to rock and let us know, let us know where we need to put the podcast so that it can make your life a little bit easier. All right. That's going to do it. We will be back later this week to preview the next game in the dolphin season is next week. The Tua bowl. Believe it is right. What we well, had two, we, we got two, we got back, we got back to back to back to a bowls. Uh, because if we lose that game to the Giants, then that game against the Bengals is is really big. Well, first off, <laughs> the the Tua Bowl might just be you know getting the number two pick, or, or really, I mean, just staying where we're at because Burrow appears to be you know do we call it the Tua Bowl or the Burrow Bowl? That's true. It really is sort of more becoming the Burrow Bowl nowadays. But uh, at any rate, the Dolphins will travel. Well, I don't know. Are the Dolphins staying in New York this week? Because they're playing again at the Meadowlands next Sunday. It it seems like it might be a smart move to just stay uh, in, in New Jersey for the week. Although, you know, I couldn't blame the Dolphins for not wanting to stay in New Jersey for a week. No offense. <laughs> no yeah. offense to all our friends and family in New Jersey. But, you know, listen especially this time of year. Maybe you want to get come home, get a couple days of sunshine before t- hopping on the shuttle back to uh, to Newark or JFK or wherever you're going to get back there to the Meadowlands. But at any rate, the Dolphins will get the Giants on a short week next Sunday, and uh, that is going to be a huge one because if the Dolphins lose that game, uh, they could very well move closer 
to getting that number one pick in the draft, which while getting more and more elusive is not yet out of reach. So we'll, we'll see what happens uh, after next week's game, but we'll be back with you later this week to talk all about it. In the meantime, take care of yourselves and each other, and we will talk to you again next time. Bye-bye everybody. Go Dolphins! Come on.